into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the geek's watch. For the geeks and all the geeks to come. And here we are, another week on the Geeks Watch. And John, uh, this show, The Westworld, is just—it's getting—it's getting out there. It's getting crazy. I think uh, more and more people are, I think, are jo- jumping on the the theory of the dueling timelines. And uh, I—I'm I, not—I can't say I'm surprised, but I'm say that uh, uh, it's interesting if this—that's that's the way it's playing out. What do you think? I think there's actually maybe even three timelines or three separate uh, realities now, if you want to think of it that way, and we'll get to that. <laughs> All right, yeah, and definitely we'll get to that as we talk about episode five of, of Westworld, um, Con- Contrapasso, I believe is how you told me to say it. <laughs> Con- Contrapasso. Contrapasso, yeah. okay. Uh, all right, but first let's talk about a little bit of geek news, and uh, what do you have for us today, John? Uh, first thing I got um, says here, according to Joe Blow, owing to Miller's departure, Deadpool 2 also loses Junkie XL. Now, uh, that's not the guy who was supplying them with drugs. That's <laughs> the name of the composer of the score. Fair enough. Yeah, says here in the open letter, he just doesn't feel right doing the movie without Tim Miller, who was like a driving force in all that good stuff. So he basically is admitting that he's leaving because the director's leaving. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. If anybody who knows me knows that I've never been a big proponent for uh, sound or music in movies. Like, I, I understand the purpose, but I've never been a person to follow the different composers. Uh, I mean, I... I've never even heard of Junkie XL before. I think the only ones that I've heard of is uh, Michael Giacchino, uh, John Williams, you know. Uh, Howard Shore. Howard Shore, yeah. And, oh, and uh, Danny Elfman. <laughs> <laughs> so. What about uh, Darren, uh, what's his name? Darren Aronofsky's guy, Clint Mansell. That guy's yeah. amazing. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Darren Aronofsky, you know, is is a great director, and I, I assume that you know he's very much involved in the music when it comes to that because it, he definitely has a very specific tone, just like Tim Burton uses Danny Elfman for very specific. Uh, what, music. what about Hans Zimmer? I mean, Hans Zimmer that was the, that was the other one that I, I I've heard of before. <laughs> but see, yeah. that's the thing. That's the thing to me is that whenever I'm watching a movie, if I'm actually paying attention to the score, then I I kind of feel like the movie has lost me. Like I I don't really care so much about that 
I know it's important though to don't people don't write in and be like I'm an idiot. I understand that music is very important. It really helps set moods and it uh, sets up scenes and it really can play the difference between uh, your characters of whether or not you like them. But I'm just saying I don't pay attention to it. <laughs> well, I'll say this though, as far as the score is concerned, which is different from soundtrack. That's a whole different thing. Um, I would say the Deadpool score was completely forgettable because I can't think of a single piece of music from that movie <laughs> that was there for, for tone or for ambience, to be honest. everything The only parts I remember are Wham! and uh, salt and Pepper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So, so losing Junkie XL, to me, doesn't really seem like the big of a loss. We'll have to see when Deadpool 2 comes out if, if it was or not. Well, if something doesn't feel right, or if it's like some of the magic was missing, we'll have to take a closer look at the score. We will. We definitely will. Uh, right. What else do you have for right. us? Uh, the writers of the Baywatch movie, which is a rock vehicle, Dwayne Johnson, um, are writing a new reboot or adaptation of Starship Troopers. Um it's within the geek world. It's kind of evenly divided between the people who think the movie's great and the people who think that the movie was utter garbage because it didn't really adhere to the source material. You know, now, when I first saw it, I had no idea it was based on a book. I just thought it was a pretty amazing special effects uh, satire about politics. Um, then I found out there was a book by. Uh, is his name Heinz something? I forget his name now. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, yeah, so now it looks like with, uh, you know, thanks to the trusty people behind Baywatch, there might actually be a, uh, a, a better version or maybe one that satisfies that itch. I mean, what are we, we're, we're probably at 20 years from the first movie being released, right? I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, when I saw that first one, I loved it. I I still love this. I still love Starship Troopers. I think that's it was a great movie. It 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 threw in threw us into an incredible new world that uh I think we were kind of wanting for a space sci-fi world like that, you know. All we had was at that point Star Trek I don't even know if the new Star Trek shows had come out yet, like Voyager and Deep Space Nine at that point, because I'm not a big Star Trek person, but I'm pretty sure at that point, uh, Next Generation was already done on TV, right? Yeah, I think it was right in the middle. I believe Starship Troopers was like 96. Yeah. So, uh, the world that was created there, what it, I, you know, I really was interested in it, and you had this whole military force that was much different than what we saw of that day, I think. But I remember watching that movie and thinking the way that the world was crafted that it had to have been some type of book first because there was uh, it just it just seemed like there was a lot of story that we weren't getting because and I assume that's because you know in the book you go into more detail of stuff um, which I've never read the book and uh, I, I just remember after the movie being searching around. And if you imagine searching around on the internet in 1996, it wasn't, it wasn't as easy as it is today, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, 
I remember trying to find out if it was made from a book or not. So them rebooting it and or remaking it or however he is, I, I don't know if the book follows around uh, Rico uh, as a main character or not, but if it doesn't, that'd be fine with me. I'd love to see the story for from other points of views and stuff like that too. Yeah, I believe he is the main character. Uh, I think they got most of the characters correct. Um, but there's, there is a lot of differences story-wise. Like, they're supposed to use um, mech suits, oh. which they don't really do in the movies until, the, I think, the third sequel. Okay. Um, and even then, it was only for, like, a brief uh, scene. But, yeah, it's a... The, the the backbone is essentially the same. It just goes it, it, the tone and some of the plot points were vastly different. Okay, well that's uh, good to know. Yeah, I haven't read the book either, so I have no idea how it compares. I might do that eventually. Yeah, we'll definitely have to uh, if that if it comes if it comes to fruition, we'll definitely have to revisit the original Star Starship Troopers and then see what this uh, how this one holds up. Uh, if they do mech suits again, you know, anytime I see, I hear anything about mech suits or, you know, big mechanical stuff like that, I'll, I want to see Neil Blomkamp do the movie because I think he just has a very (laughs) awesome look when he makes, uh, things like that. It's it's probably the only thing I liked about, uh, Chappie. Um, and obviously, uh, District 9 was awesome. Well, at least half of District 9 was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, cool. Do you have another story? Uh, yeah. Stranger Things Season 2's returning cast members have been announced in a cheeky little tweet where the picture is upside down, and so is the writing. I don't know how you do that. That looks really cool. <laughs> but uh, it looks like Eleven will be, in fact, returning. Okay, yeah. I mean, it, since they decided to go away from the anthology format that they originally wanted to do and they're going to come back with the original storyline or the same storyline from the first season uh you would have to bring back 11 so because i mean she's pretty much the biggest part of the of the first season i mean makes a lot of sense to me now what if this means now that her 11 tattoo means that she was a clone and there's 10 other 11s out there. Uh, that's very interesting. Um, I don't know. That, I don't know how, how that would, how I'd feel about that. Uh, yeah, that'd, I, be, to, that'd to, be out there. <laughs> to me, I would still just think, assume that she'd be the most powerful one because it'd be 11 or 10 tries before her that weren't successful or uh, maybe not as powerful. So... But still, ten against one is is pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe some of them would be evil. Maybe some of them would be misshapen or something. Mm, very true. Maybe yeah. maybe at this point, yeah, we have nothing to grasp. They haven't had a plot leak as big as Game of Thrones, so it's hard to tell where they're going <laughs> with it. That's uh, I was gonna say back at Phoenix Fan Fest the two two weeks ago, two three weeks ago. Uh, they you know we had David Harbor and uh, and. Millie Bobby Brown there, and every time David Harbour would pretend like he was going to give away some information or talk about season two, she would jump to and just throw her hands over his mouth to keep him quiet because apparently David Harbour has a problem with letting things leak out about season two that he's not supposed to. 
and uh, she didn't want to get in trouble as well. So well, good thing she was there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I believe you have one more story. Yeah, last one. Ciaran Hines, also known as Mance Raider from Game of Thrones, which we talked about a lot. Yeah, and I guess um, I'm not sure what character he plays. Was he supposed to be the Devil or Mephisto in Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance? Uh, I believe, it, yeah, in that version of the movie, it's it's some version of Mephisto or or the Devil or uh, actually. There is a very specific devil character in Ghost Rider mythology that gave Johnny Blaze his uh, his uh, powers, but it's it's all different versions of Satan, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, uh, all right. Well, anyway, that guy, Mance Raider, uh, has been cast as Steppenwolf in the uh, Justice League movie, I guess. Now, with production basically, I think, being pretty much finished now this may mean that steppenwolf is going to be like a cgi character and he's just going to supply the voice probably i mean he was a cgi character in batman v superman so yeah i don't know i don't know if i don't know if uh shooting is already wrapped or not yeah wasn't that what they released recently was like a little trailer for the fans from phoenix or new york comic-con where it showed some behind the scenes footage and it was like, well, that's a wrap, you know? Oh, well, I that's thought right. that was what they were Jason, sending out. And Jason Momoa kind of had all those pictures and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, okay. Well, you know, there's still pickup and reshoots and stuff like that. So maybe they just, I don't know. He could be in it physically. He could be in it just CGI. That both would make sense to me. I mean, look at Doomsday from the lot from BBS. So it could all just be, uh, CGI. Speaking of which, did they actually have to have uh, Zod, the actor, <laughs> motion capture Doomsday? Not really. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I, I remember he made a joke that he couldn't go to the bathroom in the motion capture suit because he had big flipper hands and the whole internet went crazy for like a day wondering yeah. what that meant. See, I don't, I, I, he also had to backtrack after that and say that it was a joke, that he wasn't serious, but you have to wonder what is, what was real and what wasn't real and all that. So I don't know. It, I bet, I imagine that story is true. And then when they were like, you're giving away information and he's like, Oh, it's not true. I was just joking. You internet people went crazy for no reason. <laughs> yeah. So, I was like, what is this internet? Why are you all communicating like this? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it there. Um, it says it looks like he's going to be motion captured. Um, so he'll probably just be doing the voice. Yeah, probably. I, I can see that. Like uh, Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> last person to get hired. That's true. That's very true. Um, I uh, Basically, I, I, I went and saw... Doctor Strange this weekend. Everybody uh, knows that it opened up this weekend. Uh, if you had a chance to go see it or you hadn't gotten a chance to go see it, my next story isn't really a spoiler. It's kind of an Easter egg that happens very, very early in the movie. And I, I kind of want to discuss it uh, because of its implications. So John, in the movie, right before Doctor Strange gets into his car accident that then propels him into searching out uh, mystic arts so that he can... Uh, eventually become you know the sorcerer that we know uh 
he is getting information from a fellow doctor that tells him about uh, some jobs that he should take. And now one of these jobs is uh, that he he actually turns down when he's talking to him in the car because he the the guy calls him on the phone and he's talking to the, to the guy on the phone while he's driving. Thus, you know, one of the factors into why he he crashes his car. But uh, Scott Derrickson, who directed the movie, we talked to Entertainment Weekly. Uh, basically, there's a part where um, he's talking to this other doctor and he says, uh, there is a, a Marine colonel that was in an accident involving armor and it has paralyzed uh, this person from like the waist down or something like that. And you want to you want to infer that that's War Machine, and it's ta- they're talking about the events of Civil War. Derrickson has come out and said, no, that's not true. It's not it's not uh, Rhodes. Puts puts would make sense because Colonel Rhodes, I believe, was in the Air Force, and this they say it's a, a, a Marine. Uh, then they go on to talk about a lady who had a device in her head that was helping her deal with her schizophrenia that was also struck by lightning, fusing the device in her head. Uh, so I guess at this point, this is where people have come up with the fact that that might mean Captain Marvel, who we know Brie Larson has been cast as Captain Marvel for the 2019 movie. Um, this would be a departure from her normal, uh, uh, origin story where she was, uh, kind of merged with Marvel to get power, Kree powers and stuff like that. But, uh, the, what is it? Uh, Nicole Perlman, who is the screenwriter for Captain Marvel, has come out and said that her original origin story is a little too similar to Green Lantern, so they're definitely going to have to do some things to change up her origin altogether. Uh, so a lot of people are, are saying that that is uh, what is the origin story for, or hinting at the origin story for uh, Captain Marvel. Um, when asked of Der- Scott Derrickson, he said, basically, do you remember that movie with Brittany Murphy? Where she just keeps saying, "I'll never tell." Well, that's my answer. So oh. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't really get any uh, official answer or not, but a lot of people are, are insinuating that that is a Easter egg to Captain Marvel. Actually, that's interesting. But the going to the other guy, the one that was hurt inside of a mech suit, mm-hmm. that could be a clue as to where and in time this takes place. Uh, if, if that's there is another guy who was paralyzed potentially with the mech suit. If you're remembering uh, Iron Man, Iron 2. Man Two, yeah, during that when they're just when uh, Tony Stark is showing off uh, Justin Hammer's failed attempts at a suit, <laughs> one of them like does a complete 180 at the waist, right? That could be that, and that could just be like a little hint as to when it takes place in time. I actually thought the exact same thing because I would assume that the movie doesn't take place at current time because it takes so much time in between when the movie started to when the movie ends. So I would say that that that's what that suit is or that particular line is talking about, because if you have that, then you have, uh, eventually 
him getting in his car accident and then trying to figure out the way where to go. You you might have Winter Soldier come in right there where the where uh, that one Hydra agent says uh, we're keeping an eye on lots of people people like Stephen Doctor Stephen Strange, and then eventually you go on to uh, where you have uh, Doctor Strange meet gets to the the car rush car Taj or whatever it's called, and Wong says you know the Avengers stop physical. Uh, uh, opponents where you as a sorcerer will fight uh, metaphysical ones and then probably by the end of the movie is when you have you're up to date like right after Civil War I would assume yeah that sounds like a pretty decent summary of the timeline yeah yeah so that's uh, where I, I would think that would probably fall in so I, I don't know if anybody else wants to read it I, I got the article off of comicbook.com but they were getting it from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is the second trailer for Wonder Woman dropped this week, and I have to say I enjoyed it a lot more than I enjoyed the first trailer. Yeah, it was a lot more action-packed. You see a lot more of the story. And I think that's and... that's the thing that got me, is that you see a lot more of the story and what's involved and, you know, why... Because the first one is... A, to me, the first one is too action-packed. All it is is you, you just see Wonder Woman fighting the whole time. The whole trailer is her fighting a bunch of people. This one, you get a little bit more of why she left Themyscira. You know, uh, what, uh, what is she doing in man's world? Why does she feel the need to go to man's world? You have the idea of uh, how she's trying to blend in, and unfortunately, she has to blend in as the secretary of uh, Chris Pine's character, Steve Trevor. So, uh, to me, it was a lot more interesting and a lot more detailed as of what's going on. Yeah. It's uh, you get to see some pretty cool stuff in there. Like uh, there's actually stakes. Uh, you get to see that the Amazons are not indestructible, even though they put up a good fight. Right. And it looks like the the threat once brought to her homeland. That's what motivates her to go into the rest of the world and see what's going on. Plus, plus, I thought one of the interesting things about the very beginning of the trailer is that she's obviously telling this story to somebody which makes me think you know how does this relate to the rest of the dceu uh maybe the movie starts off with her basically talking to batman in the Batcave, of like where she's been and what she's doing and why she's that picture is over 100 years old or whatever it is yeah that's exactly what i thought too because it looks like uh she's reminiscing in the trailer and it looks like she's in the same setting as where um She's assembling the rest of the Justice League with Bruce and the Justice League trailer. Right, exactly. That's what I, I assume is probably happening there, too. So, uh, yeah, I'm more excited for the movie now because of this. Uh, how about yourself? Oh, yeah, definitely. I want to see... Um, and not just because it's a female-driven movie, but just something different, you know? Like, this is going to be... Um, most of the other origin stories that we've had... They have to get their powers somehow through luck or chance or whatever. She's already powerful. Right. Now she just needs a motive to use it. Yes, exactly. And, and and at one point in the trailer, you do see her eyeing the Wonder Woman outfit, which you assume is probably like something that Hippolyta keeps in a room so that only when uh, the, the designated person that goes from Themyscira to Man's World has to wear as the representative of 
Themyscira. So uh, it'd be it's going to be interesting to see her put it on. Is that what they call it, Man's World? <laughs> That's what they they call it in the comic book. I assume they're going to keep calling it that in the the movie. But I don't That's know. That's kind of funny. <laughs> so. Uh, all right. If you don't have anything else that you want to really talk about, let's go ahead and talk about Westworld. Yeah, let's get into it. This, for sure. <laughs> uh, this episode is episode five called Con- Contrapaso? God, I, I am bad at other languages. Uh, yeah, Contrapaso. Contrapaso. All right. So there we go. Uh, what are we talking about in this episode? I, I think a lot of more uh, credence is laid to the 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 time the ultimate oh, not alternate timelines but uh, multiple timeline theory. Yeah, there's some pretty big red flags there that shows that this could in fact be multiple timelines, at least two, and also uh, some clues as to possibly even more hidden stuff that uh, has been hinted at in other episodes and could be showing more signs of being true now. And uh, we'll get to some of those in a bit as, as we approach them. But yeah, this, um, this episode really starts to throw in some interesting plot twists and uh, um, character meetings that I was not expecting. So I want to... I I just want to jump to this right now because it's at the forefront of my mind. But we have those two techs that are working on uh, Maeve's character, um, or yeah. Maeve's robot, or uh, however you want to put it. And in the first scene, they're talking about the last scene that we saw her in the last episode, where uh, she they're like, "Oh, they this is a cut wound right here," and they were obviously digging around inside her body for something. And uh, that scene ends with the redheaded uh, tech leaving and then the Asian tech going to his locker and like petting the bird that's on his shelf. Then Mm -hmm. the next scene we see of them, he takes the bird and the little tablet out of uh, his, his cabinet and then puts it on the desk and tries to get the bird to work. Uh, We're basically, you know, given this information that that bird is a, is a robot and he's trying to, learn how to code or, you know, uh, repair the animatronics, however you want it. And then the other redheaded, uh, tech comes in and says, uh, you know, what are you doing? You're not, you're not authorized to be messing around with that kind of stuff. And he helps him catch the bird and he yells at him a whole bunch. But then, uh, he says, all right, put your stuff away. We have work to do. And he brings Maeve, the Maeve robot in again. And the Asian guy freaks out. Like, I don't understand why he freaks out right there because it seemed like to me that he was just working on the Mave robot unless this is out of order unless we just saw the the end of that scene and then the beginning of the scene but out of order you know what i mean well i believe he was one of the guys that was operating on Mave the first time she woke up and ran away. Yeah, he was. The two of them were. They both were. Yeah. And at the beginning of that episode, uh, or of that scene, he freaks out a little bit because Maeve twitches. So he's still a little, like, jumpy from that other incident. Okay. 
and he like I think it's because Mabe keeps coming back. You know, he's just afraid of her specifically because he had that one bad experience with her. I don't think necessarily that it was the that that specific scene was out of order that we saw the ending first and then the beginning. Um, it's just to show that, you know, like she keeps coming back and he finds that just really weird. I think he's weirded out by her in general now. But see, in that first scene when he's working on her, even though after he she twitched, he wasn't, I don't know, he didn't seem that weirded out by her. I don't know. To me, the, the, the whole thing plays out weird. And then eventually at the, the, in the end of the episode when they, she comes back again, uh, he, she's sitting on the, or she's laying down on the slab. He goes to work on the bird again and he figures it out, whatever it is. And then she, she wakes up and, and I think, does she have a knife or something or does she? No, she's just sitting there cross-legged, but oh, know, okay. completely awake. Fair enough. Oh, and I did have one other thing that I wanted to say about this episode. So this is like the pubic hair episode because you just saw so much of it throughout the episode. Like they just went full frontal with everybody. Oh, I was about to say, I want to know where you're going with that. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yes, it, seemed, and, it seemed to me in one the, episode. <laughs> yeah. The previous episodes, they've always like cleverly hidden it behind things while the camera is panning and stuff. And this one, they just went full out. They're like, nope. Everybody just show the pubic hair. Yeah, and in one episode of Westworld, I think they've had more dong than all six seasons of Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, that that does bring me to my favorite joke of the episode, which is when Elsie's working on that one host with the, I guess he's got bad aim or something, or bad motor skills. He can't pour a glass of whiskey right. Mm-hmm. And she's like longingly staring at his like host dong, saying, "You know, <laughs> she... don't, like it'd be a shame to write something for you that doesn't properly use your talents." Yeah. Like, huh. Interesting. Very that true. Kinda, it feels like a metaphor for my life in a way. <laughs> well, okay, that's a whole other podcast, I think. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, yeah, she. I mean, they. She is is diving more into what is going on. She eventually goes and and kind of I don't know. I guess it blackmails another tech uh, that's in charge of the whole like repairing them or something. I don't know. I, I don't understand how they her job is different from his job, but they're obviously at different jobs. Well, actually, that's a good point you bring up because I wanted to say that one of the overlaying themes I noticed of this particular episode is transcendence, and in both like a spiritual and in a in a workplace type of way, everybody or at least some of the characters that we're following, um, they seem to want to outgrow what they were made for or what they're there to do. So you got that one tech. His name is Felix, the Asian guy. Mm-hmm who he's called a butcher by his redheaded partner or work coworker. Right. He says, you're a butcher, nothing else. But he wants to learn like the coding and he wants to get maybe a promotion. You know, like that's his whole thing. Um, Elsie who works in behavior, I guess they're like a, a higher department, you know, she's only supposed to like monitor and maybe correct uh, motor skill problems, I guess. Like that's her whole deal. 
but she keeps digging into you know what was wrong with the 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 stray that bashed its own head in right and that takes her on that little you know, path to to see what's going on there and then you know within Westworld itself you know you have um uh Logan and William who it looks like William or Logan is trying to egg William into unleashing himself his true nature to to become more ruthless and William kind of fights him on it whereas Dolores she seems to know that she wants to transcend her damsel in distress and she even says so I think at one point mm-hmm. she's like I know that coming here I don't have to be the damsel anymore or something like that right. and she very much has that moment where you know, if she used to have a problem firing her gun before, she definitely doesn't now. She goes full Neo, and <laughs> like time even stops for a moment, and she guns down like five uh, Confederados, which we'll get to later. Yes, yeah, yeah, no, no, she definitely pulls a, a, a slick move in, in taking them all down. Um, we had, uh, well, speaking of Elsie still, she goes on to eventually find that stray uh, because she blackmails that other butcher and uh she finds out that he has a satellite uplink in his arm yes there's some kind of device which honestly just looks like a car part i don't know like a little servo with the wire on it kind of thing but apparently it's a satellite uplink that's been sending data outside of the park now, who do you think would be interested in that, and why? how would they have snuck it into a robot or into a host? Well, that's a very good question. That just gives us more questions and answers at this point. Who, indeed? I mean, we know uh, Delos is the company that runs the plays or owns the plays. Right. Uh, but it does seem like um, Ford is very keen on keeping the investors and the company in the dark as to what his plans are or what exactly it is that he's doing. So it's quite possible that it could be corporate espionage from within. You know, like the company just wants to know more about what's going on on the inside, or it could be a completely different organization, which um, at this point we don't know who would be a rival to Westworld. I mean, maybe there's another one that, you know, like a rival theme world out there that wants to know their secrets. Or, I mean, obviously, we, we have that whole discussion between uh, Logan and William where Logan talks about how they have a whole uh, uh, boardroom of lawyers looking into this company, uh, what, are, what how they're going to, how they could, you know, come in and take it over, corporate takeover or whatever, because of one of the partners uh, killing himself right before the park opened and then very much so... Uh, um, the place is hemorrhaging money. So, you know, if he, their company is really thinking about taking over, maybe they have snuck in a, uh, some type of satellite uplink. Now here's the interesting part that comes, that has to do with that. Um, so William or bit or not William, Logan seems to know that, you know, the, the way they talk about it, it's almost like it just happened. Yes. So, and See, at this point in the story of William and um, Logan's expedition into Westworld, 
we haven't really seen any um, any host get like really massacred or butchered or cut open. The man in black has an interesting line later on in the episode when he's talking with Teddy about how when he first got there, they used to be the hosts used to be machines, like literal machines with like a thousand moving parts and they were like clockwork, he said. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of sad now that they are flesh and bone just like humans. But the reason for that is because it's more cost effective. It was cheaper to make these fake bodies for the hosts. They were flesh and blood as opposed to the uh, the robots from when the, the place first opened. So I find it kind of curious that we haven't really seen any of them get cut up or cut open or dismembered in a way where in the William and Logan uh, storyline where we could see that. I think that might be a reveal that we'll get later that will, will let us know for sure what, what exactly we're dealing with time-wise. But um, the reason why I find that interesting is because, you know, even though, yeah, it's probably the fact that, what's his name, um, Logan has lawyers looking into the company, and they figured out, oh, somebody killed himself, one of the partners, a name or a picture. Then you go back to the episode where Bernard first found out that there was a a partner named Arnold, and he'd been working for the company for a few years, and this is the first he'd ever heard of a partner named Arnold that killed himself. Right. It just seems kind of strange that, you know, but somebody from outside would know more than somebody who's been working there for what sounds like a few years already. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I and you know, obviously, with uh, we have seen in within the show. Uh, how they make the newer new robots it's very much a like a 3d printing kind of uh version and you, you they dip them in that white liquid stuff and they keep making them more and more of their their uh, structure and stuff like that which you know uh, i would assume is what the newer versions are like as opposed to the more robotic mechanical versions that we saw in the, or that the that the man in black talks about in the past yeah so Kind of makes me wonder where exactly or how exactly that's all supposed to work out. Um, I did think it was interesting because the man in black does tell a story about uh, Arnold killing himself. And he specifically says 35 years ago. We've heard uh, Ford say uh, the number to be 35 years ago. And then uh, when Logan and, and William are talking about uh the fact that the partner killed himself and the place is hem- hemorrhaging money they n- don't say a year specifically don't say a year they just say when the park first opened right and that's <laughs> you could tell that they are doing this just vague enough to drop hints as to what what they mean and what's going on there however though when ford is once again in the cold storage or whatever you want to call it and he's talking to that uh one cowboy that and you alluded to it earlier that uh kind of just repeats himself even though he ford has said something else completely different he doesn't he doesn't acknowledge it he just repeats what he just said uh that version of the robot isn't nearly as sophisticated as the versions of the robots that we see or the hosts that we see uh with logan and williams so how how I mean, how could they be so different if it's supposed to be uh, in the past? Well, yeah, that's a good point, too, because you can actually hear, if you listen carefully, um, 
old Bill, the cowboy robot, actually, like, you can hear the little whirring of his electronics every time he moves his head. Right. So I don't know if that's because he's just in so much disrepair because he's just old and in storage, or if that's how they all sounded, you know, back then. They do. I, I do remember one of the earliest flashbacks when they even showed Anthony Hopkins looking really young. Um, they were demonstrating that the first hosts were kind of mechanical moving. Like they didn't really have a lot of fluidity or grace. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that does bring up a lot of questions as to. Um, when exactly in the timeline this takes place for something like that to happen. Now, as speaking of timelines, though, the biggest uh, possible confirmation that we're seeing two different timelines simultaneously is the fact that the Man in Black um, bleeds out Lawrence in order to save Teddy. So he, like, slits his throat, hangs him from a tree, he uses his blood, and Probably the most unhygienic blood transfusion I've ever seen <laughs> outside of Mad Max Fury Road. Right. And <laughs> a few scenes later, we see Lawrence alive and well in a completely different storyline and part of the world where he's in his prime, apparently, as a crime lord in uh, what I like to call Happy Funland. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I want to talk about this then. Uh I think that one that's one of the the gr- coolest things about this show is that unlike Game of Thrones when all of a sudden one of your favorite characters gets killed and you're just like god dang it I can't believe it that he's dead you know this one people die multiple times and we don't have to worry worry about the consequences because we know they can come back cuz they're robots or they're hosts uh I think that there is a room somewhere that has multiple Dolores's and multiple Lawrence's and multiple Teddies. Because as we talked last week, I was like, no one could just fix up these bodies overnight. If it, if they're really bad, like if they get really damaged, if shot multiple times. So they have to have, uh, multiple, um, hosts that look like that. They just transfer the memory or the, the, the brain schematic or whatever to the next body. Now, we know with Maeve, she had a bullet that was still stuck in her from a previous time. So that would mean that sometimes when the, ba- the damage isn't that bad, they, st- they just put the, the one back in. They can fix it overnight and put it back in for the next day. But maybe, you know, getting yourself slit open from the neck and then drained of all your blood is too much. And they were able just to put the new Lawrence body in to the next storyline. If it's not a multiple timelines thing going on. Yeah, and also we see Dolores kind of disappear and reappear in a couple of uh, scenes. Like when um, when they first get to that one new town, uh, like Hedonismville, that they go to. <laughs> um, now, I think that's a big question. Is this a new town? Is this not the town that uh, the man in black took Lawrence to and then he shot his wife and then the daughter told them about the, the snake? Is that not the same town? Oh, no. This looks like it's a completely different town. Okay. Because, um... Oh, no, no. Yeah, it's a completely different town now that you mention it. Because, um... Because Lawrence when, uh, Lawrence's daughter also told Dolores about the, the maze, right? Right, and yeah. And that was that town. No, the, um... 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know I know it's a different town because uh the, it's called Pariah. So when it shows Logan and um William William show up to it, you know, like it looks pretty big from a distance. And um when the man in black is about to cut what's his name, Lawrence's throat, uh, you know, they're talking about how Teddy doesn't have much longer to go. Uh, Lauren says, oh, the nearest healer is in Pariah, and that's a long way from here. And, um, you know, that's it sounds like it's a different location from where they were just at, which was um, his hometown. So I definitely think it's a completely different location. Okay. So so basically, that town where his daughter's at is his hometown, but this Pariah is the town that Lawrence kind of runs through with his gang. Yeah, that's what it sounds like, or right. looks like. Fair enough. So, continue. What were you, when she first showed up, and they were having their, like, Dias de Muertos Day, or whatever. Basically, just he Yeah, yeah. It. There's, like, a Day of the Dead uh, parade going on, and she sees herself marching in it, and that kind of trips her out. So, then she joins the parade, and starts having visions, and she hears... Um, I had closed captions on, which is the only way I was even able to catch it. But she hears the words of a deep and dreamless slumber uh, being said by Ford, and that causes her to pass out. So when she comes to, she's completely naked and uh, being talked to by Ford, I believe. Yes. And so uh, that makes you think, okay, so she was pulled out of there to go have a conversation with Ford where he's he's showing some real interest in her as far as the um, contact with Arnold. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he asked her about, you know, what was the last thing he said to you before he killed himself kind of thing, or your, your guys' last conversation. Now, I also yeah. thought it was a very interesting thing at this point that uh, the man, Ford, who in previous episodes has been like, why do you cover her, cover him up? It's, it's your modesty, not theirs. They don't care but kind of thing. But then eventually... While talking to Dolores, he gets upset with her. Like he, like even though it's just her programming and the way that she's supposed to talk back to him, he gets upset to her to the point where he's just like, "All right, switch to analytic mode," you know, like kind of thing. It gets real short with her, I think. And so to me, it, it seems very odd. Well, not only that, but he's also squeezing her hand to the point where she says it's hurting her. Yeah, well, he's like, it's like trying to uh, rough her up and get some info. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so he's asking about Arnold it's like when was the last time you saw him and she says 34 years something months like he gives her a long and you know explanation and he was like the day he died and then he says like there's not many people left here who were there you're the last one basically um, meaning that she has been around you know since the I guess the creation of the park or at the very least since the death of Arnold. Well, and, and yeah, yeah, it goes along with the whole uh, statement they said earlier in what episode one when they said she's the oldest host here. Yeah, that she's been through so many revisions and fixes that she's practically a new robot anyway, or something like right. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but she's holding on to something. Arnold's or uh, Ford says that inside her mind there's a walled garden, which uh, I heard from somewhere else that that's. Um, that's like a programming term that basically means there's like a section that's blocked off and inaccessible in oh. the programming. Okay. 
And if that's true, then that would make sense that there could be something hidden in her. And that's maybe why she's been like held for so long is that there's something in her that's special. And sure enough, you know, like you said, the last thing that Arnold told her, according to Dolores, is that she was going to help him destroy this place. That's true. So are we still thinking that it, it was a suicide? Did he think you think he did kill himself or did uh, Ford kill him? Well, that's still up in the air. What the a theory I heard is what if it was suicide by Dolores? Like he asked her to kill him mm. as a test of her free will. So then would she would that mean that she passed or that she didn't oh, I mean she's not supposed to be able to kill anything, so it would be that would go against her programming. But then again, she's not supposed to lie either. And she did that quite plainly at the end of that scene. That's true. But if Arnold was her friend, why would she kill her friend? Well, that, like I said, could be up in the air, but I think that's going to be a twist there. I think it's going to be something along the lines of they were onto him and they were going to kill him anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, and he just wanted to make sure that his project was at least going to continue and the only way to know for sure is if he can give her an order that she has to break in order to make sure that he was going to be successful in the future. And then we, we obviously do see her uh, very prominently talking to somebody that's not there. And even William calls into uh, uh, to light and he says, uh, who were you talking to back there? And she says, nobody, right? Yeah, but she says that she feels like she's getting called to something. And even at one point, she goes and talks to, it looks like some kind of soothsayer who's uh, got tarot cards in front of her and stuff. And then that, at that point, she, the, the person turns into her and she sees a different version of herself. It's the version that she has at the end of the episode. Yeah, it's the, she sees the normal version at first where she's wearing like her plain dame, damsel clothes. Mm-hmm. Then um, she gets the tarot card and it's the maze. Now, I hadn't noticed it until now because before then it wasn't very clear. You know, like you see it on the ground when the girl draws it and you see it on Kissy's scalp Mm -hmm. when he peels it off. But this time when you see like the most clear version of the maze that I'm aware of, it now you can kind of tell that the, the, the figure in the middle, which looks like a person, kind of looks like the the 3D printer thing where they have the oh with the, the host being created with the venturian man or whatever yeah the, or is it vitruvian man yeah, vitruvian image man. yeah 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 interesting that is very interesting um i know the, okay so i know the original movie was written by uh michael crichton who also gave us Jurassic park wasn't there a Jurassic Park reference in this movie, this episode that I, I can't recall it right now, but I remember, I think there was a line or something that was very familiar. Do you remember? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Were they saying that their first attempt at the park was with dinosaurs and that didn't work out too well? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. There was like a line that someone says, and I was like, I think that's, that's a line from, from Jurassic Park. And then, you know, just, it kind of, do you not? Did nothing stick out to you like that? No, I didn't catch it. But now you got me intrigued. I hope it was like Jeff Goldblum's line, <laughs> "Life 
finding a way. Uh, it wasn't that one. I would remember that. <laughs> but no, I, I, I dang was it, it I, that's one huge pile of shit. <laughs> I really need to. I, I really need to rewatch these episodes before we record, and I just didn't have time this week. But yeah, there was something in there that I was just like, oh, that's definitely that has to be a call to to uh, uh, Jurassic Park. I, I want to say it might have been with the with the two butchers. But I can't remember what it is at the moment. So, uh, if anybody listening uh, happened to catch that too, please tweet tweet it to me and uh, let me know what it was, so I'm not going crazy. Uh, but, anyways, uh, continue. There's there uh, the idea that you know she is definitely on this quest to find the maze and find the secret. And if we believe that that Bernard started her on this quest because of when he said that to her. Or is that part of the present time? Well, that had definitely would have to be the present time, right? Because we have an old Ford. Have we seen... And, and we definitely saw Ford and the man in black talking to each other this episode. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the, he, he ends up at the canteen that, uh, cantina that uh, 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 the man in black and Teddy walk into. I think it was already there when they first walk in. I think it was Anthony Hopkins. Oh yeah, he's playing the, the piano. piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was him. So he was already waiting for them. It looks like. And it was very interesting that you know, <laughs> as soon as as uh, Teddy or not Teddy, yeah, the Men in Black uh, goes to threaten Ford, Teddy sacrifices his own hands to stop the knife. Yeah, that was pretty badass. He went full like uh, kung fu style, like snatch the knife, flip it upside down, and slam it in the table. Yeah, I'm like, damn, Teddy. <laughs> uh, obviously, the two of them have a rapport. They they know each other. They've talked to each other before, and you know they have a conversation that goes back and forth about trying to find out the secrets of this place that. Uh, Ford is keeping from the man in black, whoever the man in black ends up being. Yeah, and the man in black says some really cryptic stuff. Like, it's like, hey, so is Wyatt your answer to me? Like, you know, I always felt like uh, this place needed a proper villain. That's why I do what I do, you know, just my little part to contribute. And Ford's like, you know, I never could have conceived of someone as messed up as you. <laughs> so they just kind of go back and forth kind of dishing little insults um, while still maintaining a semblance of civility apparently and yeah it just you know he pulls out the bowie knife like and I don't even know if he was really threatening him but he says something like I wonder what would happen if I cut you open like he just kind of said that nonchalantly I bet that, that is kind of a threat right there I mean even if yeah. he, didn't, he didn't plan on actually stabbing him at that moment it is a threat yeah, I go. Yeah, and Teddy just like automatically reacts and goes into the three laws of robotics, I guess. There, and, you know, <laughs> do not allow a human to get harmed or something. See, now I know that I, I don't. I don't think I, I wouldn't have equated it to the three laws of robotics. I would have re- equated it to uh, uh, RoboCop. Basically, Ford is the top of OCP, and uh, ah, you know, Directive Four kicked in. Directive Four kicked in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I see. Yeah, that's very, uh, very int- most likely. Yeah, exactly what you're talking about. If it was somebody else, robots probably wouldn't care. Yeah, exactly. 
So, but and I was uh, like, hey, that's between y'all. <laughs> uh, and then I thought it was very interesting because as Teddy comes into that bar, he you can see he's very weak and he's very. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is, he's a host. It, it doesn't matter. But he's, his characteristics at that point are very weak and, and uh, still hurting from the blood, uh, from all from being beat up and then the blood transfusion and all that stuff. But then after the meeting with Ford, uh, his it's almost like his programming or his characteristics change. So he's like, okay, we need to get on, get back on the road. You know, let's let's get going, kind of thing. Yeah, he uh, he's using Dolores as bait, saying that Wyatt has her. Oh, and that's what's. That's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. To which Ford was like, "That part doesn't sound familiar." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it is. We have to. I mean, I have to account for the fact that uh, in the last episode we saw how easily he controlled all the hosts. Uh, in this one, he did almost the same thing. I think in the bar, like a lot of the a lot of the hosts stopped in in, in spot right. Uh. Um, no, I don't think so. No, the only—I mean, the only host really there was um, because the music starts back up after he walks out. Yes, he he points at the piano and it starts playing by itself. But he was the one playing it when they first walk in. True. I just okay. Well, I just assume that you know once again, once again, this comes to the idea that is does he control a lot of what's going on with his mind, or you know is. Uh, does he have some type of control, like actual control setup somewhere or something? Yeah, maybe he's got one of those little satellite uplink thingies in his arm, and he can like telepathically tell things to to move or stop or start or whatever. <laughs> now, I'm gonna segue a little bit to this little side note here about Bernard that I found interesting. Okay, so. As I was saying earlier, how there could be three potential timelines happening simultaneously now. Um, Bernard is strongly being hinted at, or at least theorized within the the Reddit community, as being a host. And possibly a host modeled after Arnold. Ooh, interesting. Now, the reason for this, uh, if uh, you look at some of the different details in past episodes, uh, Bernard has a... Uh, a sad story where his son died and he says something about how like the pain is of him is um you know all he has so he wouldn't give it up if given the opportunity you know he he'd rather keep it than forget forget about it now that's something similar to what Dolores says when she says that you know during one of her interviews with Bernard you know that the pain of losing her family, you know, you know, was was terrible. And Bernard says we can make that go away if you want. And she's like, no, that's if that's all I have left of them. I want to keep it. So it was like a very interesting parallel between the two things that they said. And um, hmm. what's his name? Uh, when Ford tells uh, what's her name, the girl. Uh, the female security, the Q, uh, the lady that's in charge of QA, Therese. Therese, Therese. Yeah. yeah, he says, uh, "Yeah, I know what you're doing with uh, Bernard. Do be careful. He's got a very sensitive disposition." That is interesting. I, you know, as you say that, I was like, "Yeah, you know, that would make a lot more sense." That uh, you know, she 
he he'd be like, "Hey, you know, you're sleeping with one of the hosts. We know this kind of thing." However, her being the head of QA, you would think that she would be like, uh, she would know that anything that a host does can be recorded, or uh, you know, the camera, you know, the whole camera situation kind of thing. So, right. And the the prevailing theory goes that in order for Ford to kind of to try to unravel what it was exactly that Arnold was working on, he somehow transferred his, if not his entire subconscious, then at the very least the thought patterns of Arnold into a host made to look like Bernard to kind of keep tabs on him, to study him, um, to see if anything would come out of him. And the, the, the supporting evidence, I guess if you want to call it that, is whenever we see Bernard talking to Dolores, it's um, it's in a similar cube like you see in the underground facility, except that it's not sterile. It actually looks more like the like their world, mm. like the, the Westworld theme. And she's dressed, and that's, he treats her with respect. That's true. I, the dehumanizing thing that Ford kept saying, like, "Why are you covering them up?" and the conversations that they have seem like he's trying to push her towards self-discovery. You know, like the last book he gave her was Alice Through the Looking Glass or Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. And the specific passage was about, you know, wanting to be more than you are or something like that. So that would be, that would be the reason why, you know, uh, he doesn't remember hearing about Arnold's death or anything like that. However, would, would the other employees know that he's a host? Because like Elise takes very much takes uh, instruction from Bernard and like lets him lets like his ideas uh, influence what she says or does. Well, see that depends. I mean, how much do we really know about Arnold? I mean, or Bernard, which kind of think of it kind of sounds close to Arnold. That's, if you mumble it, yeah. but um, uh, it it kind of brings up the same question though. When William first shows up to Westworld, he doesn't know if the woman showing him around is a host or not. That's true. And she kind of just it, it. She's very coy with him about it. She says, "Does she it really like, matter?" Isn't that? Huh? Or that's the point. That's what she says, right? Yeah, it's like that's the point. You don't know. And, I mean, she acts very host-like because she's very much willing to, like, bang him right there. Um, and but trust me, that actress he's also is rich. So. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, she, I mean, to be there, you have to be rich. But I don't think William is supposed to be rich. I mean, even when he has that little tiff with uh, with Logan, he's, he talks about how everything he's ever had, he had to work hard for, uh, as opposed to William, who comes from a rich family. And he's, what, the vice president of... Uh, some bullshit branch of the of the company, and he's like Logan. Even like taunts him with that was the biggest day of your life when I gave you that. You you just you were all giddy about it. Yeah, yeah. He was saying <laughs> that was the happiest day of your life, and the only reason you got it was because you actually are the least threatening like person or something like that. Basically, someone who's going to be easy to control. Oh yeah, exactly. So are you, are you, I don't, I never watched the new, I've never watched any, uh, Battlestar Galactica, but I know that towards the end of the newer version of the show, they had this whole thing about 
who was a Cylon and who wasn't. Um, do you think that's kind of what's going to become this towards the end of this this season? Is we're going to get re- big reveals of who's a, who's a host and who's not? Yeah, I think so. I think we'll see some surprising ones. Um, that they realize they're host this whole time, and they thought they were just working there. I'm like, what? Now, actually, there are some interesting things said throughout this episode that lend more credence to the possibility that, that this future world is a little more dystopian than we're led to believe at this point. Uh, for example, uh, I think it was the man in black who was saying um, to Teddy, maybe, or somebody. Who was he talking to? Where he. So going back real quick to that last scene where the man in black and Teddy are talking with Ford, the man in black tells Teddy, or he asks him actually, he says, do you want to know why this world was created? He says, because the real world is safe and boring, essentially. And they come here to Westworld to experience that thrill of being alive again. Mm. And I found that very interesting that um, he wants, like, even though there is a sense of more realism and danger there. It's still just a facade. And apparently what everything is hinting to is that he wants to make it the real thing where maybe the bullets actually work and can hurt or kill people and uh, possibly um, in a weird way, if he's, if he's trying to fulfill Arnold's experiment, I guess it's a, to make all of these uh, hosts become self-aware and um, bring that realism to this place. Now, talking about the realism, uh, I also think that it's interesting that this is the first time I believe we've seen a newcomer actually get hurt. Now, uh, Logan... Just a second. Logan gets punched uh, in the face uh, at, early in the episode, and then at the, the end of the episode, when William just kind of leaves him uh, le- hanging, he's getting beat down pretty bad by the Confederados. Yeah, he also gets choked out by one of the Union soldiers early on, too. That's true. So, uh, did you find that to be, I mean, different or interesting? Like, once again, no one's getting shot which is we know that they're supposed to it's supposed to be against like the the host being able to shoot a uh newcomer but well they did mention in fact it was logan that mentioned it that the further out you go from the main hub the more realistic things get Mm. so where they are apparently you are able to get punched and choked and like beaten a little more than you normally would but I think you're still safe. You're not going to get killed out there. It's just there'll be a situation where they'll allow you to escape or get the upper hand uh, from the host, at least. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you, if you go there, you're looking for trouble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, you're you're definitely, and that's what Logan really wants. He he really wants to be a part of whatever you know these storylines out here are. You know, it's the whole reason why he killed uh the was it the one guy uh the bounty hunter so that he can go and meet with lawrence or what's his new name in this el lasso el lasso there you go which is spanish for the lasso is is that not like spanish for rope 
Yeah, basically. <laughs> Which is interesting because when we see him with uh, the man in black, he's always got a rope around his neck. Yep, symbolism. <laughs> uh, okay, is there some more that you wanted to get talking about? or? Uh, well, man, we pretty much covered most of the stuff happening in the story uh, in the show, but I did also want to bring up the... Uh, if you saw the the after credits preview for like the next episode, it looked like it was actually a preview for multiple episodes. Oh, it wasn't just like coming up next. It, it was actually you know, it said something like along the lines of you know, in the rest of of Westworld or something like that. The rest of Westworld and you season see one. Some really really interesting stuff like Clementine. Um, Looks like she killed somebody in one of those interrogation chambers. Okay. Um, you see that maybe uh, is uh, much more self-aware. You see what looks like Dolores walking through a hallway underground in the facility with a bunch of dead bodies. Kind of looks like a scene out of Metal Gear Solid when uh, <laughs> Snake is walking up to the ninja. <laughs> And uh, the mo- the the part I'm most excited about is where you see um, it looks like William pulls out a Bowie knife, and it looks very similar to the Man in Blacks. Oh, uh, well, there you go. There's the you know definitely uh, more credence to everything that's being said right now. Now, uh, obviously, this episode is so dense with uh, information that uh, we can't get through it all today, but. We would love uh, to hear what everybody else has to say about it. And uh, if you want to talk about that or any one of the news articles that we talked about earlier, go ahead and tweet us. I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat on Twitter. Um, John, you can also be found Twitter as. I am at magic bollocks. And if you too feel like your talents are being wasted due to poor hand-eye coordination, let us know. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And then... Uh, if you, uh, you know, want to come over to our Facebook page where most of our conversations are being had, uh, it is geek or geek elite radio on Facebook and then check out our website, geek where you can get archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts from the geek elite radio network. Uh, but until next time, this has been the geeks watched on the geeks on the geek elite radio network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programs.